Section 16 of Myths and Legends. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lucy LaFaro, New South Wales, Australia. Myths and Legends of Ancient Greece and Rome by E. M. Behrens. Section 16. Third Dynasty, Knight and Her Children. Hymen through the charities or graces. Hymen. Hymen, or Hymenaeus, the son of Apollo and the muse Urania, was the god who presided over marriage and nuptial solemnities, and was hence invoked at all marriage festivities. There is a myth concerning this divinity, which tells us that Hymen was a beautiful youth of very poor parents, who fell in love with a wealthy maiden, so far above him in rank that he dared not cherish the hope of ever becoming united to her. Still, he missed no opportunity of seeing her, and upon one occasion disguised himself as a girl, and joined a troop of maidens, who, in company with his beloved, were proceeding from Athens to Eleusis, in order to attend a festival of Demeter. On their way thither, they were surprised by pirates, who carried them off to a desert island, where the ruffians, after drinking deeply, fell into a heavy sleep. Hymen, seizing the opportunity, slew them all, and then set sail for Athens, where he found the parents of the maidens in the greatest distress at their unaccountable disappearance. He comforted them with the assurance that their children should be restored to them, provided they would promise to give him in marriage the maiden he loved. The condition being gladly complied with, he at once returned to the island and brought back the maidens in safety to Athens, whereupon he became united to the object of his love, and their union proved so remarkably happy that henceforth the name of Hymen became synonymous with conjugal felicity. Iris, the Rainbow Iris, the daughter of Thormus and Electra, personified the rainbow and was the special attendant and messenger of the Queen of Heaven, whose commands she executed with singular tact, intelligence, and swiftness. Most primitive nations have regarded the rainbow as a bridge of communication between heaven and earth, and this is doubtless the reason why Iris, who represented that beautiful phenomenon of nature, should have been invested by the Greeks with the office of communicating between gods and men. Iris is usually represented seated behind the chariot of Hera, ready to do the bidding of her royal mistress. She appears under the form of a slender maiden of great beauty, robed in an airy fabric of variegated hues, resembling mother of pearl. Her sandals are bright as burnished silver. She has golden wings, and wherever she appears, a radiance of light and a sweet odour, as of delicate spring flowers, pervades the air. Hebe, Juventus. Hebe was the personification of eternal youth under its most attractive and joyous aspect. She was the daughter of Zeus and Hera, and though of such distinguished rank, is nevertheless represented as cupbearer to the gods, a forcible exemplification of the old patriarchal custom in accordance with which the daughters of the house, even 
when of the highest lineage, personally assisted in serving the guests. Hebe is represented as a comely, modest maiden, small, of a beautifully rounded contour, with nut-brown tresses and sparkling eyes. She is often depicted pouring out nectar from an upraised vessel, or bearing in her hand a shallow dish, supposed to contain ambrosia, the ever youth-renewing food of the immortals. In consequence of an act of awkwardness, which caused her to slip while serving the gods, Hebe was deprived of her office, which was henceforth delegated to Ganymedes, son of Tros. Hebe afterwards became the bride of Heracles, when, after his apotheosis, he was received among the immortals. Juventus Juventus was the Roman divinity identified with Hebe, whose attributes, however, were regarded by the Romans as applying more particularly to the imperishable vigour and immortal glory of the state. In Rome, several temples were erected in the honour of this goddess. Ganymedes Ganymedes, the youngest son of Tros, king of Troy, was one day drawing water from a well on Mount Ida, when he was observed by Zeus, who, struck with his wonderful beauty, sent his equal to transport him to Olympus, where he was endowed with immortality, and appointed cup-bearer to the gods. Ganymedes is represented as a youth of exquisite beauty, with short golden locks, delicately chiselled features, beaming blue eyes, and pouting lips. The Muses Of all the Olympic deities, none occupy a more distinguished position than the Muses, the nine beautiful daughters of Zeus and Mnemosyne. In their original signification, they presided merely over music, song, and dance. But with the progress of civilization, the arts and sciences claimed their special presiding divinities, and we see these graceful creations in later times, sharing among them various functions such as poetry, astronomy, etc. The muses were honoured alike by mortals and immortals. In Olympus, where Apollo acted as their leader, no banquet or festivity was considered complete without their joy-inspiring presence, and on earth no social gathering was celebrated without libations being poured out to them, nor was any task involving intellectual effort ever undertaken without earnestly supplicating their assistance. They endowed their chosen favourites with knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. They bestowed upon the orator the gift of eloquence, inspired the poet with his noblest thoughts, and the musician with his sweetest harmonies. Like so many of the Greek divinities, however, the refined conception of the muses is somewhat marred by the acerbity with which they punished any effort on the part of mortals to rival them in their divine powers. An instance of this is seen in the case of Thamyris, a Thracian bard, who presumed to invite them to a trial of skill in music. Having vanquished him, they not only afflicted him with blindness, but deprived him also of the power of song. Another example of the manner in which the gods punished presumption and vanity is seen in the story 
of the daughters of King Pyrrhus, proud of the perfection to which they had brought their skill in music, they presumed to challenge the muses themselves in the art over which they specially presided. The contest took place on Mount Helicon, and it is said that when the mortal maidens commenced their song, the sky became dark and misty, whereas when the muses raised their heavenly voices, all nature seemed to rejoice, and Mount Helicon itself moved with exultation. The Pyrides were signally defeated, and were transformed by the muses into singing birds, as a punishment for having dared to challenge comparison with the immortals. Undeterred by the above example, the sirens also entered into a similar contest. The songs of the muses were loyal and true, whilst those of the sirens were the false and deceptive strains with which so many unfortunate mariners had been lured to their death. The sirens were defeated by the muses, and as a mark of humiliation were deprived of the feathers with which their bodies were adorned. The oldest seat of the worship of the Muses was Pyaria in Thrace, where they were supposed to have first seen the light of day. Pyaria is a district on one of the sloping declivities of Mount Olympus, whence a number of rivulets, as they flow towards the plains beneath, produce those sweet, soothing sounds which may possibly have suggested this spot as a fitting home for the presiding divinities of song. They dwelt on the summits of Mount Helicon, Parnassus and Pindus, and loved to haunt the springs and fountains which gushed forth amidst these rocky heights, all of which were sacred to them and to poetic inspiration. Agonipe and Hippocrene on Mount Helicon and the Castilian Spring on Mount Parnassus were sacred to the Muses. The latter flowed between two lofty rocks above the city of Delphi, and in ancient times its waters were introduced into a square stone basin, where they were retained for the use of Pythia and the priests of Apollo. The libations to these divinities consisted of water, milk and honey, but never of wine. Their names and functions are as follows. Calliope, the most honoured of the muses, presided over heroic song and epic poetry, and is represented with a pencil in her hand and a slate upon her knee. Cleo, the muse of history, holds in her hand a roll of parchment and wears a wreath of laurel. Melpomene, the muse of tragedy, bears a tragic mask. Thalia, the muse of comedy, carries in her right hand a shepherd's crook and has a comic mask beside her. Polyhymnia, the muse of sacred hymns, is crowned with a wreath of laurel. She is always represented in a thoughtful attitude and entirely enveloped in rich folds of drapery. Terpsichore, the muse of dance and roundelay is represented in the act of playing on a seven-stringed lyre. Urania, the muse of astronomy, stands erect and bears in her left hand a celestial globe. Euterpe, the muse of harmony, is represented bearing a musical instrument, usually a flute. 
Erato, the muse of love and hymnal songs, wears a wreath of laurel, and is striking the chords of a lyre. With regard to the origin of the muses, it is said that they were created by Zeus, in answer to a request on the part of the victorious deities, after the war with the Titans, that some special divinities should be called into existence, in order to commemorate in song the glorious deeds of the Olympian gods. Pegasus Pegasus was a beautiful winged horse who sprang from the body of Medusa when she was slain by the hero Perseus, the son of Zeus and Danae. Spreading out his wings, he immediately flew to the top of Mount Olympus, where he was received with delight and admiration by all the immortals. A place in his palace was assigned to him by Zeus, who employed him to carry his thunder and lightning. Pegasus permitted none but the gods to mount him, except in the case of Bellerophon, whom, at the command of Athene, he carried aloft, in order that he might slay the Chimera with his arrows. The later poets represent Pegasus as being at the service of the Muses, and for this reason he is more celebrated in modern times than in antiquity. He would appear to represent that poetical inspiration which tends to develop man's higher nature and causes the mind to soar heavenwards. The only mention of the ancients of Pegasus in connection with the Muses is the story of his having produced with his hoofs the famous fountain Hippocrene. It is said that during their contest with the Pereides, the Muses played and sang on the summit of Mount Helicon with such extraordinary power and sweetness that heaven and earth stood still to listen, whilst the mountain raised itself in joyous ecstasy towards the abode of the celestial gods. Poseidon, seeing his special function thus interfered with, sent Pegasus to check the boldness of the mountain, in daring to move without his permission. When Pegasus reached the summit, he stamped the foot with his hoofs, and out gushed the waters of Hippocrene, afterwards so renowned as the sacred fount, whence the muses quaffed their richest draughts of inspiration. The Hesperides The Hesperides, the daughters of Atlas, dwelt in an island in the far west, whence they derived their name. They were appointed by Hera to act as guardians to a tree bearing golden apples, which had been presented to her by Gaia on the occasion of her marriage with Zeus. It is said that the Hesperides, being unable to withstand the temptation of tasting the golden fruit confided to their care, were deprived of their office, which was henceforth delegated to the terrible dragon Ladon, who now became the ever-watchful sentinel of these precious treasures. The names of the Hesperides were Eagle, Arethusa, and Hesperia. Charities Gracii, Graces All those gentler attributes which beautify and refine human existence were personified by the Greeks under the form of three lovely sisters, Euphrosyne, Aglaia, and Thalia, the daughters of Zeus and Euronymy, or, according to later writers, of Dionysus and Aphrodite. They are represented as beautiful slender maidens in the full bloom of youth, 
with hands and arms lovingly intertwined, and are either undraped or wear a fleecy, transparent garment of an ethereal fabric. They portray every gentle emotion of the heart, which vents itself in friendship and benevolence, and were believed to preside over those qualities which constitute grace, modesty, unconscious beauty, gentleness, kindliness, innocent joy, purity of mind and body, and eternal youth. They not only possessed the most perfect beauty themselves, but also conferred this gift upon others. All the enjoyments of life were enhanced by their presence, and were deemed incomplete without them, and wherever joy or pleasure, grace and gaiety reigned, there they were supposed to be present. Temples and altars were everywhere erected in their honour, and people of all ages and every rank in life entreated their favour. Incense was burnt daily upon their altars, and at every banquet they were invoked, and a libation poured out to them, as they not only heightened all enjoyment, but also, by their refining influence, moderated the exciting effects of wine. Music, eloquence, poetry and art, though the direct work of the muses, received at the hands of the graces an additional touch of refinement and beauty, for which reason they are always regarded as the friends of the muses, with whom they lived on Mount Olympus. Their special function was to act, in conjunction with the seasons, as attendants upon Aphrodite, whom they adorned with wreaths of flowers, and she emerges from their hands like the Queen of Spring, perfumed with the odour of roses and violets, and all sweet-scented blossoms. The graces are frequently seen in attendance on other divinities. Thus they carry music for Apollo, myrtles for Aphrodite, etc., and frequently accompany the muses, Eros or Dionysus. End of section 16